Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to tell you about House of Carbs, hosted by one of my best friends, Joe House. I've known him since 1988, and the entire time I've known him, he's been very, very hungry. And now he has a chance to host a podcast about being hungry, all the things that make him hungry, the food that he loves. It is a podcast by the hungry for the hungry. And it's not your typical foofy food podcast where they're talking about foie gras and all that stuff. No, no. We're talking about diners. We're talking about fried chicken sandwiches, pizza slices, best Chinese food. Everything you, everything you talk about with food is on this podcast and with great guests like David Chang, uh, Chris Bianco, Jimmy Kimmel, a bunch of people coming up. All of them love food. Nobody loves food quite as much as Joe House. But listen, check this out. Subscribe right now to House of Carbs wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Tate Frazier, and I'm sitting across from Mr. Mike Lombardi. Tate Frazier, we're in the house that Sinatra built, apparently. Our, our, our man, Jim Cunningham, just our came Our producer, in. Jim Cunningham, telling great stories per usual. I mean, it was awesome, right? The history of, of Gower Studios uh, from here to eternity. And then I guess Sinatra, you think he did from uh, Strangers in the Night in this room? It was brilliant. I mean, I, I'm, like, I can feel it now. You're like the new Sinatra. No, Everyone I wish says I it's Jay-Z, but it's really you, Mr. Michael. No, Lombardi. I wish I were. Although I do drink. There's a great drink. You're way too young for this. But So Sinatra loved Jack Daniels. Okay. On one, ice, one big ice cube and just a splash of water. Mm. So he liked Jack Daniels so much that Jack Daniels was honored that he drank their drink. They made, a, it's called Sinatra Select. It's a certain mm. kind of Jack Daniels that he drinks. That's the drink to have. It's perfect. I have it at the house. You come over to the house, I'll even pour it for you. I'm more of Take, a Maker's Mark guy, but I'll have you've it. You've never had Sinatra Select? No, you, I've never you had know, it. You know, you sound like my young son, Matthew. I don't want to drink Sinatra Select. That's not how sound, I talk. You, know, <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Matthew. I don't, you know, I got this $180 bottle I, of, of bourbon, and he, I don't want to drink. I want Maker's Mark. Okay, fine. Whatever. Well, I don't want to waste it. I don't want you to waste it on me, basically. That's, that's what, you know, that's his line, too. Cheese, I'm Look, getting you just got humble people in your life. You yeah, should be right. proud of that. Anyway, <laughs> I feel the presence in a Sinatra. There's nothing, everything about Sinatra. There's some gravitas there. to this podcast today, knowing the Sinatra yeah, story. Like, like, you know, like if you understood Sinatra, you should really read. There's a great column. There's a great article. And I know this is a podcast about football, but there's a great column. There's a guy by the name Gay Talese. Now, mm -hmm. Gay Talese grew up in my hometown called Ocean City, New Jersey. Okay. His parents were clothed. They made uh, the custom tailors. Okay. And during the war, my mother and father and all my relatives, these were all Italians that lived in Ocean City, didn't like the Talises because during the war, they pretended they were French, mm. which was like, you know, the bad thing. But anyway, Talise went on to the University of Alabama, became a great writer, and he writes this incredible column. And if anybody is have a fan of Sinatra, they should read this column. It was an Esquire. It's in the top 10 columns of all time. It's called Sinatra Has a Cold. Mm. Okay? Okay. So Talese comes out to write this article on Sinatra, and when he gets to Los Angeles and he goes over to the Beverly Hills Hotel, he finds out Mr. Sinatra has a cold. That's the first thing he won't do the interview. So he spends three months out here, and he writes this great column, which is brilliant, uh, and the title of the column is Sinatra has a cold. Funny. Did you know he had over 500 hair pieces? Is Frank Sinatra? Yeah. Just... What? He had over 500 hair pieces. He had two women that would cut out the hair pieces for him on a daily basis. Oh, it's fascinating. I mean, this stuff here, if you want Sinatra, we can make this whole podcast Sinatra. Well, maybe we should start a Sinatra podcast, well, talk to Bill Simmons. And they, have a, they have a thing on Sirius Radio called Seriously Sinatra. I mean, there's nothing better. Sunday mornings with Sinatra is the greatest thing. Let's know, talk football. Do you know what's unbelievable, though? Frank Sinatra is a picture of him literally right behind, behind you. Yeah, he's right behind you. 
I love it. Yeah. And I feel better about the pride of Hoboken. Yeah. Oh, God. That's so good. Uh, Well, yeah, let's talk about football. They they like football in Hoboken, I'm sure. They do. Absolutely. Well, another place that loves football is Green Bay, and they're not happy with their product. And uh, last night, we saw what the Green Bay Packers are without their man, Aaron Rodgers. And they are who we thought they were. Yes, exactly Uh, who we thought they were. In the mortal words of Dennis Green, God rest his soul. Look, I think the Packer fans have been blessed. They've been very fortunate. They went from Don Mojik, John Mojikowski to mm-hmm. Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. And so they've had this like incredible lifetime, shelf life. And Aaron Rodgers, what we've now learned, all those people, whether it's Skip Bayless or anybody else who takes shot at Aaron Rodgers that he's not very good, they can just shut up today, okay? Because mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is the deodorant for everything that ails their team. There's, these are called deodorant quarterbacks, and that means they cover up the sins of everything else. Peyton Manning was the ultimate deodorant quarterback. When he got hurt, all of a sudden, all those draft picks that they had in Indianapolis, not so good. Same thing with Green Bay. Their defense, not so good. Their offense, not so good. You know, And so life without Aaron Rodgers is a tough life. Absolutely. And even uh, just looking at that team and the way they're constructed, it it really all does fall on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers right. to make plays. And we all know that, but seeing it without him, I mean, it just illuminates it, it, everything that's wrong. It's all the glaring weaknesses yeah, out there. And and I, I think people are way too hard on Mike McCarthy. And here's why. McCarthy's dealt this hand, okay? So... He knows that Ted Thompson, his general manager, will only play, only draft young players. Mm -hmm. He wants to build his team through the draft. That's Ted Thompson's moniker. That's what he's always done his whole life. And that's what small markets usually do in general. All right. So that's fine. But people want Ted, people want McCarthy to be this creative, think out of the box, have this system of offense that's that's a little bit like the Patriots. That's, you can't be that when everything you do, when your lifeline comes from the draft. If you're constantly going to play rookie running backs or you're constantly going to play younger receivers, you've got to have a system in place that's fairly simple so they could all learn it. And so McCarthy, to me, is the ultimate soldier. He's the ultimate. His dad was a police officer in Pittsburgh. He's the ultimate beat cop. I mean, he does exactly what he needs to do. Rodgers made him a, a Super Bowl winning coach. Don't take things away from McCarthy. Don't blame him for the ills because he can't really change what he's doing because the way the roster's constructed. But he gets a reprieve, right? I mean, without Rodgers, oh, yeah. there's he no should. way. Yeah. I don't know if Ted Thompson's going to get a reprieve. I think people are going to take a closer. When you lose the deodorant quarterback, mm-hmm. which has happened in Indianapolis, look, you know, you want to know another deodorant quarterback? How about my man Deshaun Watson? Yep. I mean, he covered up a lot of sins in Houston, okay? Absolutely. All right? So Tom Savage brought them all back up. Yeah, they smelled again. I mean, they needed a shower bad. I mean, they were living in the aqueduct when he got done. But so uh, they they have to find a way to – Ted's not going to be able to walk away. The defense isn't very good. I think McCarthy made a serious mistake. I mean, the one thing I will be critical of him, the defense under Dom. And look, you can't watch an NFL game. There should be an over and under of – how long before the TVs go to Don Capers in the box? I mean, like, it's just like, <laughs> they love oh, there's Don Capers. Yeah, that's my favorite. You, you remember him. You Mr. remember Don, Don Capers? Capers. Great, great yeah. scheme, but zone blitz. You know, look, Dom's a wonderful man. But I think he should have made a change defensively because that scheme, if you look at that scheme closely, whether it's the Capers scheme, whether it's the, the Dick LeBeau scheme, that scheme is kind of dying out. It's not the same effectiveness. And it's easier, I don't want to wish anybody get fired, but it's easier to, 
fire, it would be easier to change the scheme by getting rid of Dom than it would be to ask Dom to go in and change what he does. You're not going. Dom's not going to change what he does. I think off season wise, I think that was a serious mistake for the Packers. And their talent level on defense isn't very good. And who's to say Capers wouldn't go somewhere else? And you know, like, like what Dick LeBeau did. You he, know, he, go he, down no, to Tennessee. But I think what's what's happening now is and you have to keep track of this on the trends of the league. If you don't realize that that scheme is slowly dying away Fading out yeah you know then you, you get a problem but green bay didn't want to make any changes and and i think it's going to cost them can i talk about the other team jim caldwell just so happy that he's happy yeah there's nothing like a, a jim caldwell smile at a press conference to really get you going how about last night though tate frazier <laughs> like i mean abdullah uh, amir abdullah is the king of fumbling okay yes he fumbled at nebraska he had 14 he put 12 on the ground okay like and he fumbles one time we're so busy talking about turkey holes whatever that was i have no idea what it was but gruden that we never saw the clip we had to come back to it and then he's still on the field again when he fumbles again i don't even know how they recovered the other fumble well thank god they have marvin jones though right yeah, thank God they have Marvin Jones. I mean, look, I, he I was thought, in a select class that goes into Lambeau and somehow is better on the road at Lambeau than he is at home or anywhere else in yeah, the NFL. Yeah, I thought Matthew Stafford last night. If you, I don't know where I think Clay Matthews must be in West Cape May too because I couldn't <laughs> find him. You know, uh, he's too busy doing those commercials with the whole I mean, Matthews you know, family. It's amazing. You're watching the game. You can't find Clay Matthews. That go to commercial and you got three. You find Clay <laughs> Matthews. You get three all times these in a row. You didn't even know they had that many Matthews <laughs> yeah, in the family. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. You can't do that many commercials. You got to make a play before mm-hmm. you get to a commercial, right? There yeah. should be a rule. Like we're not going to run the Allstate commercial with Clay if he doesn't at least have a tackle in the game. So. Uh, yeah, they, you couldn't find them. I mean, you just couldn't find them in the game. I, I, I don't know. The Packers defense just didn't look good at all. But I thought Matthew Stafford was unbelievable last night. I thought he did. His accuracy with the football was unbelievable. And, you know, I mean, he was a difference maker. He looked fresh and healthy. He almost looked like he came off a bye the way he was so rejuvenated. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, it was I, good. I, I kept thinking, wait a minute, did they have a bye last week? And I know they and they played Pittsburgh and they gained a bunch of yards. Now, who Jim Bob Cooter, could he get any more love? He's the best. I think Gruden just likes saying Jim Bob Cooter. I know, he just says it over. It's like his catchphrase at this point. Jim, Bob, like, Cooter. Jim, Jim Bob, Cooter. Bob Cooter. You know, he just loves saying that over and over again. It's unbelievable. He loves it. It's good for the brand. You got to feel like Jim Bob's going to get a job at some point. I usually could tell if Gruden likes somebody or he doesn't, but from the way he describes it, you mm-hmm. know. But I wasn't sure if he likes Jim Bob Cooter or not. Like, it just says it. It's three nights. Like, I call you Tate Frazier. I think he stole that from me. <laughs> it's a good thought exercise just to to listen to him say the name Kirk Cousins and then the name Jim Bob Cooter and see the enthusiasm in, di- in different ways there. Because yeah, Kirk I, Cousins, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and then Jim Bob Cooter. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Jay Gruden. I love how he says Jay Gruden. <laughs> and Jay Gruden. That Jay Gruden. Yeah, he loves that. Uh, let's talk about a guy that is MIA at this point, and we haven't seen him in a long time, and that's Mr. Andrew Luck. The Indianapolis Colts quarterback, there was some controversy today. Uh, Jim Irsay comes out and says that he thinks luck, it's not all the shoulder. We all we all know the shoulder is not quite right. Um, he says it may be more of a mental thing with him. And then Tony Dungy is on with Dan Patrick. He made some comments about it. And the way it was originally framed was that he said that he had spoken with Jim Irsay. And then he recanted on that, said that he did not speak to Jim Irsay. He was just, you know, re- responding to what he saw in the quotes from Irsay himself. But at this point, there's just a lot of clouds right. and a lot of conversations about a guy that we haven't seen in a long time and a guy that we thought would be the, you know, the face of this franchise and maybe one of the faces of the NFL. And he was the deodorant quarterback in Indianapolis because yep. now look at the mess that Chris Ballard's trying to clean up there. I mean, they really don't have a very good offensive line. I think, I do think there is some issues. And I thought this would, I think you saw it with Sam Bradford when he tried to play early after he came back from the injury. Mm-hmm. I think there's a mental block you go through that you have to kind of get through when you have an injury, especially one as bad as Luck had, that you feel like you can throw it and come back from it. I think it's just human nature, right? I don't know if 
And I, it's your prized possession. I mean, it's like when you get Tommy John surgery as a pitcher and you come yeah, back right. and you're supposed to be throwing 100 miles per hour. I mean, it's a hard right. it's hard to convince yourself to try to let your arm go that hard. Right. I mean, I'm sure Gay, Gordon Hayward's going to go through the same thing. Like well, the first time he gets on the court and he can't touch the rim when he jumps, I mean, he's going to say, like, what's going on with my life, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure Sinatra had the same problem when he was worried about singing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. He it's didn't just, have any honey that morning. His voice was a little raspy. Exactly. You, you know, it's like, you know, Springsteen went through uh, nasal surgery or something like that and he comes out, you're worried about whether you could sing again. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I just think it's a block you have to go over. I think this is not something uncommon. I think we'll make it into a bigger story than it really is. I think the issue in Indianapolis more than anything is they're going to have to hire a coach and everybody's going to want them to hire somebody to make Andrew Luck better. Mm-hmm. And I think when you really look at this and, 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 a, and a friend of mine was, was emailing me over the weekend was talking about it is like, this notion that you hire an offensive coach to make your team better, I think is probably not the right thing to do. I think defensive coaches, if you look at the league, Pete Carroll, Belichick, what Sean McDermott's doing. Now, look, Sean McVay's doing a great job there. So there's exceptions to every rule. But I think if I was in Indianapolis and I knew I had Andrew Luck coming back, I'd hire, and I was going to make the move with Chuck Pagano, I'd hire a defensive coach. Like a guy like Sean McDermott, right? If right. you could bring him into Indianapolis, change the culture of the team, and right. then have this piece and Andrew Luck right. to add to that, I mean, right. that, that makes everything I mean, better. when has it ever worked? I mean, in my time in my career, when has it ever worked when a player has gotten a, a job, like Eli Manning gets Ben McAdoo the job? How's that Or work? Jameis Winston gets a Dirk Cutter Dirk. a job. I yeah. mean, like, when does that work? Like, I was going back, racking my brain over that, and, like, we got to have this guy, we got to have that guy. It doesn't work. I mean, you know... it's unfortunate, you know, Jay Cutler wants this guy to be his head coach or he wants that guy to be his coach. Like the program has to be bigger than that. And I think that to me, if you want to build a program and you want to compete at the highest level, whether it's against the Patriots or against Seattle or against any Super Bowl team, I think there has to be an element of toughness that comes from your team. And you're only going to get that from defense. Do you think, I mean, look, people look all over me, you know, when are you going to admit Doug Peterson? Look, I think Jim Schwartz did a pretty good job in, in Philadelphia. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to give Doug all the credit, but I think somebody's coaching the defense over there too. He's, he's been unbelievable. And he was, I mean, I think he gets a bad rap for his time in Detroit, but I mean, he had moments in Detroit, I mean, good and bad, but right. he still exemplified all the qualities that you would want to see in a head coach. And he handles himself in that way. I mean, I was going to ask you what a name would be, you know, a defensive oh, guy I to go in there. And Schwartz seems like a guy that could be a I mean, to me, Schwartz should be a head coach. Yeah. I mean, everybody says, oh, you know, this and that. Look, when Schwartz was in, in, in Detroit, he's dealing with a front office that politely was not exactly up to the level that, he, you know, that was hard. He took over. So Martin Mayhew was there. Martin Mayhew took over for Matt Millen and they had Tom Lawan there. The whole cap mm-hmm. situation Everything there wasn't exactly easy. I mean, Bob Quinn, who's the GM there now, will tell you that it wasn't a smooth transition. So I think what Jim has done is exactly what most good coaches do, like Belichick. I mean, Belichick gets fired in Cleveland. He goes up to New England. He's a really good defense coordinator. He goes to the Jets. He's a really good defense coordinator. They learn from their mistakes. But what you get with a defensive head coach is you get team toughness. You get the ability that the kicking game becomes important. You get a lot of toughness. If you hire an offensive coach, you know, all they sometimes all they want is clean exchanges. All they want is this, you know, like, you know, we got to carry eight receivers. Like, who needs eight receivers? If John Gruden becomes the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they'll carry, they'll carry 27, 28 players on offense. They won't be any good in the kick because that's what he'll want to do. Now, I'm not saying he won't be successful. I'm just saying the team will have to be successful on offense, not on defense. Yeah, but it's one thing to like go and hire a guy like Todd Haley and bring him in and say, I want to do all these different offensive schemes. And, you know, the, the whole other side of the football needs to be addressed. Right, yeah, and then you're just hoping for, you know, like you, you, you can hope for you hit the right guy. And and when you look at it, like John Elway, 
he decided to hire a defensive coach. He said, well, Lombardi, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Well, his defense was pretty good already in place. His biggest issue going into the season was who was going to fix his offense. And that's hard to do. It would have been nice if he had Kyle Shanahan there to fix his offense. You know, that would have been the perfect idea, right? But I think what people... That might have been too close with the Shanahan family. Yeah, I think it was was way too close. But it's fascinating that we don't ever write about this or talk about it. But could you imagine... I mean, Denver's lost, what? They're 0-4 on the road this Mm -hmm. year. Not a good road team. They're they're, They're not very good at home either. But so... I mean, could you imagine if they would have the cap implications of Brock Osweiler still with them had he signed that contract? Do you imagine where if they If the Cleveland would... Browns didn't save them, they would be in... Well, they saved the Texans. Yeah, I mean, save the Texans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, if the Texans didn't save... Yeah, didn't make that Broncos, trade, yes. It's, like it's like a one, two, three of everyone. The, could yeah. you imagine oh, how bad of shape... I mean, Denver's in bad shape now because by the time they get better on offense... They're not going to be as good as they are on defense. The Tlaib's not going to be the same player. Von Miller, Thomas you know? will be past his prime. Yeah, I mean, things are going to have to change, and they haven't done a great job of drafting. So for me, like, he hired a defensive coach when his strength was defense. Maybe he really needed somebody to build around the offense. I, I, I don't know. I think but each situation is different, but I know this. If I was in Indianapolis, I'd hire a defense coach. Absolutely, and uh, I'm sure we won't hear the last of Jim Mersey because, you know, he, no, seems all, <laughs> he seems to always pop up and have something to say. Right when you want him. Uh, and that leads us to a great segment, which is uh, we're going to insult people a little bit, and that's not for nothing. And first up, we nothing. have uh, Mike Evans. You know, like, I, I don't get this. Like, I, this is what bothers me about the NFL, is how can a player not get thrown out of the game but then get suspended for a game? Mm-hmm. Like, what Mike Evans did was really bad. Like, it was right in front of the officials, too. Like, how, how And it did, was a full-on full assault on. from him. He sprinted, tackled I, I mean, him, took him down, started throwing see, punches. You know, when the, you know, you remember in The Wire when, that, when, when, the, when, when Bodie was on one corner uh-huh. and then the other guys were on the other corner and then they would kind of go at – I mean, this is what it looked like, <laughs> yeah. right? It looked like there was going to be two, two, two teams were coming after each other, right? And, and All it took was one finger point from Jameis and was it was on. Yeah. I mean, I wish I would have known Jameis was, gave that halftime speech before I went on Saturday <laughs> sit down. That still pisses me off. Anyway, back to the <laughs> – meanwhile, back to the ranch. Uh, I mean, like, how was Evans not, like, just thrown out of that game? Like, I don't – like, wasn't somebody watching that? Like, the replay people, like, do you realize what Evans did? Like, just – Tell the official. That's what I mean. We go to Blandino and we ask him about, you know, was the knee down? Was the arm down? What was this? Like an inch? Was his toe tapping in the dirt? It's like, well, could we could we look at that? Yeah, like, for who's a been an <laughs> asshole? Can we throw the asshole off the field, please? And a lot of people were upset because of A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey. A.J. Green obviously like choked Ramsey from behind, threw him down, and everyone was saying, why don't they get suspended? Why didn't A.J. Green get suspended for a game? It's because he dealt with the punishment. They threw him out of that right. game, and that and that was how they handled it at the right. time. And, and I, I like I never thought AJ Green should have got suspended. Like when when it happened, when you and I sat in here Sunday night and we watched we watched it, we said Mike Evans is going to get suspended. Mm-hmm. Like we knew he was going to get suspended. Absolutely. That was like a, it mean, was unbelievable. He was still in the game. It at was that amazing. Point. He was still playing. Unbelievable. And that was such a yeah. That was an attitude. Uh, you know, just so him, bad. Yeah, copping attitude and throwing someone down. Uh, next up, not for nothing, we have your boy John Lynch. Like, look, I don't like I, Glazier had this report that that Belichick uh, that Lynch asked Belichick about Tom Brady. Like, when you as an executive, when you let a, a privileged and confidential conversation to Jay Glazer so that he can broadcast it on Fox, mm-hmm. I think John Lynch made a really a tactical mistake here. I think he, the, uh, more than insulting him, I think I I think he should really learn from this. Like, you can't take that conversation. And broadcast. You're not in the media anymore. You're not in the media anymore. Mm -hmm. So now you think Belichick's going to trust anything he says to you that isn't going to go to the media? 
Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, it's ridiculous. And now they're putting it out that, oh, well, we're not going to sign, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, Garoppolo is not, it's not a done deal. They a, still may explore options with well, Kirk we Cousins. Talked about it. I mean, they yep. could certainly do it. They got, I mean, we, got we the cap room. They got the cap room, but why would you make the trade? I mean, oh, so you're going to pick up an, an extra pick because you trade him and you get Kirk Cousins? Like, like that doesn't make, like, at some point you got to execute your program. But I think John Lynch, tactically, like at some point, I and mean, he gets tremendous PR. Nobody's, of course. And, of and course. this is why. This is why at some point you can't let that conversation out. My thing with this whole situation, let's take it to another layer of the whole conversation. Bill Belichick must have known or had some sort of inkling as to the fact that John Lynch could leak this conversation. So for the people that didn't see the story, you know, John Lynch calls, he's on the phone and he's, you know, inquiring about quarterbacks with, with the Patriots. And he asked Tom Brady and then Bill Belichick gives this amazing response. Like, you mean the greatest quarterback of all time? That's who you're asking for? That's who you want to trade me for? And it's like the perfect canned political response that you would hear. But I feel like he had to know that, right. that, that, that there was a chance that I could get leaked out because we talked about this before. I mean, Bill Belichick's thinking five, ten years down the line. I mean, he's not dumb enough to know. Like, he's groomed Garoppolo in his system right. and may have more value just because he's younger and, you know, can give him ten more years of, you know, good football in New England. But to be smart enough to not to leak anything bad about Brady and have to deal with that situation, I don't know if that's exactly what happened well, here, but I may, just thought it was amazing. Yeah, I think it is. And I, I think in fairness to John, had Belichick perhaps said something about Brady that he didn't, you know, maybe John He may would, not have leaked it. He, he may, may not, not have leaked it. And maybe John looks at this as saying, you know, I was doing Belichick a favor by leaking this as it turned it around. But for me, it's like it was a privileged and confidential conversation. And when you leak it out like that, you know, and then, I mean, leaked out the fact that First of all, nobody's followed up on it. He originally said that Brady that, that Garoppolo was untouchable. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing that he first, said. But they never followed up with, well, what made it touchable? Like, how, what changed between conversation A and B to make them touchable? Like, which also makes me wonder when this conversation, quote unquote, conversation happened because yeah, it could have like, happened in the summer for all we know. We yeah, have like, no idea. We don't have happened. dates on it. No, and you know, like, look, I was at the LBJ Library. They have, you know, they record these conversations, so they came. <laughs> you know, the president's talking on November second here. Yep. You know, yep. But these aren't. So I, I don't know. To me, it just. You know, I don't think it's really good as an ex I think if you want to be a media guy in the NFL exec and you're going to leak everything to the media, you're going to get good PR. There's no doubt about it. But if you got to keep conversations between yourself and other people or else the other guys aren't going to trust you. I mean, it's like when Al Davis would call and, you know, he would be like, oh, I don't want this out. This isn't, you know, he knew if somebody was going to leak something. So mm -hmm. he would never make the call. And it just, to me, it's not good business. And could this be something that we see a reflection of this in the future with the 49ers? Like, say there is a team that wants to make a deal for Ruben Foster. You want to make this trade. You want to call these guys. Well, I don't want to deal with that. You get it out right. that I'm putting T.Y. Hilton to be traded in right, this trade. Right. I, don't, I don't want to deal with the media which, implications Which it's fascinating that. because one of the conditions that John Lynch took the job was he wanted to see if the, the leaks were going to be stopped at 49ers. I mean, that was one of his conditions. Meanwhile, he's the biggest leak ever. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like everything, you know. I mean, like <laughs> nine it, times out of 10, the guy looking for the rat is the rat. No doubt. You ever, you know, it's like, you, you it's can, like the departed, you know, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. You, you um, always know. It's like the guy that comes up to you, Michael is going to be the traitor. That's how we knew it was. That's how we knew it was a Vigoda. Yep. Oh, Do you remember God. that movie? Do you, yeah. have you, have you seen yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm keeping up with you. I, I'm go, I go home every night and just study gangster movies. Just so Somebody I can... asked me today on Twitter, I thought it was the greatest question. They asked me if Ben McAdoo was a wartime consigliere. I thought that was like a great mm. question. And mm. my answer back to him was, no, I don't think Ben was a peacetime counselor either. I don't think, like, could you imagine being Ben? Could you imagine, you know, Marlon Brando? He might be a, a dessert time. That would be like a great 
that we should probably do that one time is put put characters and you know, could you imagine Ben as a consigliere after Sonny got shot? Uh, no, I because remember when uh, they asked Ben at halftime what he told the team, he mumbled. Yeah. So, I don't know if he'd even have an answer. So he like, may just walk like away. Maybe he my, just puts the paper up and covers his face. Yeah. So now I'm thinking in my head. So all right, at halftime, you know, this would be like that was almost like Sonny getting killed at the toll plaza. Ben comes in and now he's got to tell Vito that his sons that you know, blah, 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 he mm. mumbled it. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Ben, honestly, I mean, I interviewed McAdoo years ago. Like, there was nothing that you got, like you said, this is going to motivate the team. There was no presence to it. Zero. Yes. Zero. It doesn't It doesn't come across that way through the television either. Oh, shocking. Really? <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, surprisingly enough. You think he could get your, like, what's that ringer basketball team going? You think he can get those guys going? Yeah, get them hyped up. Get get Richie and everybody going? <laughs> who's the best player on the ring, on the ringer basketball team? I don't know. A lot of people. They uh, Like, like who's, like, get, I, I, that's what I need next week from you on GM Street. I need a ranking. You need a scout? You need a scout breakdown? I need, breakdown? like, one that, like, 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 who's the chucker? We'll call in Kirk Goldsberry. He'll do like a shot chart of everyone on the team. Yeah. And we'll, see, we'll see if we, we can uniforms? figure it out. Yeah. They got uniforms. I, I, I do uh, Cousin Sal against all odds on Wednesday night. So I'm not, I'm not there anymore. So I don't get to see it firsthand. Oh, we should probably do like a remote broadcast. You should put that in when you're over, uh, over at Bill's we'll office. We'll watch the tape. We'll crunch the tape. All right. Let's keep going. Maybe we'll get Ben McAdoo when he gets fired to come in and see what he yeah, has he to say. He could be a host. It. I there mean, he'll go. slick back his hair. Yeah. There's a he's already got the Yeah. He's got the cheesecake. He's got the Pat Riley look, right? What did Prop Joe say to. What the prop Joe, look the part, be the part. Exactly. <laughs> we'll get him a nice suit. We'll, we'll, we'll deck him out. Uh, I miss Prop Joe. I got to be honest. <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, should we talk about some college stuff? A little yeah, let's lottery talk watch. A little, let's, 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 I mean, look. I I I read the other day. Sam Darnold's practicing play played better. He only missed a couple throws. I mean, p- people need to get off this one. I know Phil Sims is really high on Josh Allen. I know that, but I I don't know if it's going to be a good draft. But I think the University of Florida is a great job. Yeah, let's talk about that. So right now. One of my favorite coaches, yes. Mr. Randy Shannon, taking over for Florida, from the U to Arkansas, back to the state of Florida. Now he's got a his, now he's got a Florida vest on. You know he's got it all decked out uh, or pullover, I should say. Um, that situation, that job in general, with the way that Georgia is basically climbing to the top of the SEC right. East right now. I mean, it's a little challenging. Obviously, McElwain, he won the SEC two years in a row. Didn't do Which much in the title. Right? Yeah, he didn't get any credit for that, and now he's Just now gone. he's out. And there's a lot of PR with him that really, I think, nailed the coffin for him. Yeah, I think, you know, when these college jobs, it's so much when, you know, McElwain's from the West. Like, if he was at Oregon State or if he was at the University of Colorado, that's mm-hmm. a, probably a better fit. Like, like last year when the Oregon job opened up, I thought McElwain would be a candidate for the— that's really what his background that's where he likes to be it's more his kind of place i think sometimes when you go to areas like okay the texas a&m job might open up okay like you better know what you're getting into when you go down to college station you better understand the culture you better understand the people you better understand the, the history like yep. you know jim cunningham gave us a history of this room okay <laughs> so we know it we feel sinatra yep. you got to feel the history of florida and you got to understand what it's all about. And I think that like Scott Frost will be rumored to be the head coach, next head coach at Florida, whether that's a good hire or not, I don't know, but he's done a great job at central Florida. But I think you got to understand the history and the culture because Florida, like there's no excuse. I don't care how good Georgia is. Like there's no excuse. Florida shouldn't be one of the top five jobs in the country. There's one name down in Florida. That's probably going to try to put it, put his hat in the ring. And that's Lane Kiffin. Is there any chance of of that? I mean, how about no, no? Come on. I mean, <laughs> I just wanted to do that for Lane Kiffin. I like to throw him a bone every well, once in he, a while. How about him saying that? You know, he the he had he was like talking about gambling this week on his Twitter. He's he might have the second most dangerous Twitter handle to somebody else. We <laughs> yeah. know, okay? Like they should stop him from. He tweeting. might end up being the Pete Rose of college football when it's all said and done. You got to wonder. 
Yeah, you got to wonder. Uh, I want to talk about another job that might open up. Jim Moore Jr. down here with UCLA. Um, I don't think so. You don't I think, think so? I no, think they're going to stick why. with I, I, You know, we are in the state of California. We are broke, right? Yes. So UCLA yes. is a state-run institution. It is. Public schools. Public school. And Jim Moore, I think, has over $11 million to get bought out of Still his contract. Yep. They owe him a lot of money. And unless there's going to be some movie producer or some executive who wants to buy him out? I don't know. The school ain't going to buy him what out. What about LeVar Ball? Just throw in $11 million, just buy him out. Yeah, help I mean, the football he, team. They all start wearing the BBB gear. There you go. That's a pretty good idea. That, just that figure it be, out for you, But, you know, I, I, I have to pick the coach. When that would make, you know, he would pick whoever Himself. He would, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that would be something. Like LeVar Ball. You got Diddy. That, just put a whole. That would be awesome. Yeah. That, could, that should be a sitcom. Yeah. Well, we should tell Solomon about that. He could yeah. probably write that up. Joel Solomon. He'll put it together. That's for sure. Uh, are there any other job openings that you care about? You know, I'm interested to see what the Texas A&M job would, if, if that opens up. Sumlin. Because yeah. Sumlin is, you know, I mean, that's a really good job. Like, that should be a top He's five. He's been so hot and cold there, you know, yeah. with the Manziel years, and he came back with a little bit downtrodden years, and he got him back to be a number one in the country for that one little run, and then he fell back down again. It's just been, it seems like, for whatever reason, he's almost been getting ousted since he's been there for. Yeah, for I, I think if I was a again, if I was a college athletic director, I would want to hire somebody who could build a tough program because I think you know Ohio State lost this week in, in Iowa, and and for instance, people say he's too conservative, he's this, but they run a pro style offense, mm-hmm. and I know talking to the Ohio State coaches before the game this week, they were worried about playing Iowa because they don't practice against a pro style offense. Nobody really runs that. So when I was growing up, everybody ran the wishbone and some form of option. So when you went to go play Oklahoma and you were a random school, say you were the University of Arkansas, you really weren't used to practicing against that type of offense, right? That's where Stanford has become the outlier of college football. Jim Harbaugh went there and said, I'm going to be different than everybody else. I'm going to recruit freshmen and sophomores. Uh, to try to get their academic state now. And then I'm also going to run an offense that nobody really practices against. You got to be different. I think if people zig, you got to zag. I think that's mm. where college football right now, these schools make mistakes when they hire somebody like Sumlin. He's always been able to get great offensive linemen down there. There's tons of them in the NFL. Like instead of trying to be a spread team, he should be a power team. Like you could be. Because they're big boys up front. I they mean, they could be really big boys. Absolutely. And they could go into Alabama and they could beat them up. Like yep. to me, you can't beat somebody if you're always going to play their game. Like, they're just better at it than you are. So you got to zig when they zag. And I think that's part of the problem with college football is there's not enough zagging going on. I tell you right now, you know who loved that speech? Paul Johnson. Yeah, exactly. He's been zagging for years. He's been, exactly. <laughs> the triple right. option will never die if Paul Johnson look, is look, still here. I mean, you can read all of Malcolm Gladwell's books, but I mean, Rick Pitino, uh, you know, he he learned. At Providence how, with at, a three-point shot? No, he learned when he, was a, when he was a player sitting on the bench at the University of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And they play Fordham played Massachusetts when they had Dr. J. Yeah. And Fordham pressed the whole game. Mm-hmm. And it created a problem in the game. Digger Phelps was the coach at Fordham. Do you remember Digger Phelps? Oh, trust me. That highlighter, I can see it right now oh, waving at me. I never got that. I never understood that. Anyway, so. <laughs> always matched his tie. Yeah, which he always dressed well, coach bad. But anyway, <laughs> that, that's a whole other thing. Don't talk bad about Notre Dame now. Digger Phelps will run up here and tackle both of us. I, I know. And my, and my God rest my mother's soul. She would get mad at me too. If I, <laughs> she, she caught me saying a bad word about Notre Dame. I know that. I'm sorry, Mom. Anyway, so uh, the uh, you know, like so Fordham pressed all the time. Mm-hmm. So that, inf- that, that impacted Patino. And Patino said, when I become a coach, I'm going to do that. And I think that's really, really how you have to approach. That's where I get frustrated with coaches is like, don't do the same thing everybody else is doing. you got to zig when they zag. All right, Lombardi, we're going to get to word on the street here in a second, talk about the NFL ratings. But first, a quick break. 
Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringers Gambling Podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it's hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta, and they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's Make Believe Casino, where Sal makes up props on, on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's do a little word on the street, just some sort of some big picture things that are going around. Uh, I want to ask you about, I know we haven't talked about this on the podcast. I mean, everyone, every single week we hear the NFL ratings are down, all this sort of stuff. I mean, if you're a GM or you're just in a front office of a team, I mean, you you don't care, right? You just no. care about the football product. I think I think it's a really good time. I think we need leadership in the NFL badly. I think that's really what it's a cry for. This is always everything, whether it's the country or whether it's the NFL. These things always go in cycles, and I think that there there needs to be an adjustment in the collective bargaining agreement. I think we know that we live in a country and a society that marijuana is legal in a lot of states. So we're going to have to handle that issue with the players mm-hmm. because you can't suspend a player for marijuana when it's legal to smoke. And and, and it med- can also be pointed, pointed out as like the most egregious crime uh, at, uh, from a player. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, so you're going to have to balance. And we need to be able to get offensive and defensive linemen in a room in February and March. And I'm not saying they need to have pads on because they don't. But they need to be able to work on the fundamentals and techniques. The game has to change. And we also need to figure out a way to develop quarterbacks. We have to be better at quarterback development and the quarterbacks have to be coached more. Whether we start our own expansion league in the United States or we go back to the World League over in Europe or somewhere, but there needs to be more player development within within this, uh, within college, within pro football to help quarterbacks. Because when you lose quarterback, like last week when I had to leave Tony Pease early, mm-hmm. there were a lot of bad Sorry, quarterbacks Tony. on the, There were a lot of bad quarterbacks on that screen. There were no quarterbacks. I mean, look at it. Deshaun Watson goes down and, you know, we got Tommy Savage. I mean, I'm sorry. I like Tommy Savage. That's a good I'm name. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, it's just don't work. Yeah, it's not the same. Uh, I will say this. Uh, we talked about Germany and the, and the fact that they could branch out. Germany is a country that really, really loves football. Loves it. Loves it. And that's a place where NFL Europe did see Bobby Rome. Shout out to Bobby Rome, the uh, NFL Super Bowl champion in Europe. Nobody remembers that. Uh, but. I think that there is a reach internationally and that could help, but it's just in a weird spot right now where it just feels like everything yeah, we is don't negative have any leadership. discussing and it. And yeah. I think we have to, you know, sometimes you have to spend money to get money. I mean, sometimes I think it would be better to make the product if they spend a little money on the product as opposed to trying to hoard all the money. We need to develop more quarterbacks. We need to find guys that and teach the quarterback how to play, how to run rhythm, and we need to protect the quarterback much better. And I think, you know, the, the Broncos accused the Eagles of running a college offense, which is a joke. But they don't. They run the Chiefs offense, who they just played the week before. So, you know, I, I think that offense is going to become more contemporary. And because it's going to become more contemporary, we're going to need more quarterbacks. I mean, Alex Smith takes hits. Wentz takes hits. They're not going to be able to sustain this very long if there's not a good backup. So that's my speech. Yeah, and people are still going to college football games, and they're enjoying the spread I mean, system, and they're seeing the points. And yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, look, you know, there's always a cycle, and there's been a lot of growth in the NFL that was time to level off. Yeah. And I will say this. People should keep their eye on the Goodell contract situation. Arthur Blank is the one handling that. There's been lots of rumors about Jerry Jones, like yeah. behind I mean, closed doors. Empty, I'd be worried. Yes, absolutely. So if Goodell is not 
the leader of the NFL in the future, foreseeable future, I, then we could see some sort of major. I shift. mean, I don't want to call him Virgil Salazzo, but if I was <laughs> if I was Goodell, I would think yeah. he is Virgil Salazzo. I think he's going to get his deal. In. I mean, Jerry Jones is going to get something. I mean, he's and he's got a lot of he's got McCluskey and he's got a lot of police with him. Yeah, and he's good friends with Arthur Blank, and they're all they're all on the same side. Those owners. Look, look those they all look. I I said this on we said this on 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 Sunday night when they get embarrassed. And when owners have to take the blame, something's going to happen. Yeah. And the, when the revenue pool takes a hit. Something's going to happen. People are going to address it. Uh, last thing. Do we, do we have a story time? Do we have an Al Davis story today to, to get everyone motivated for their Wednesday afternoon? Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't really have one off the top of my <laughs> tongue. I mean, I, I have lots of them that I write in the book. No, it's, it's fine. I, I just always want to uh, check because I uh, always like hearing the Al Davis well, you know, I mean, I think where Al would Al's perspective of the league would be the same thing. I mean, Al was what people don't understand is like Al would have been really disappointed last night watching the Lions mm. because what you don't realize the Raiders uniform was from the Lions. Yes, it's from the silver of the Lions and the black from West Point, and uh, that's just not you know this whole Nike notion like to think that you were going to put Al in a different uniform. We're not going to do that. <laughs> We're just not going to do that. So you're saying these apparel companies wouldn't have had the sway that they have now with someone like Al Davis? Oh uh, no, they were going to do it his way. It was going <laughs> to be his way or no way. I mean, Phil Knight could have come down. Oh, that's not what I want. Yeah. That's yeah. not what I asked would for. Would not have cared about his 80th birthday coming up. No, no, would not have cared. <laughs> not, not, a, have cared. not a big deal to Al Davis. No, but we could have German chocolate cake today in his honor. There, there we go. There you go. That'd be nice. Uh, let's talk about the Thursday night football game real quick before we get out of here. Got the Seahawks and the Cardinals. The Cardinals looked like they're. Who knows? Who knew Drew, Drew Stanton could win games for them and be I a mean, competent who knew quarterback? That Adrian Peterson could run the ball 36 times. I mean, <laughs> at his age, coming back on a short week, look, I think Pete Carroll's got it. Look, Pete Carroll played that game into his strength on Sunday night. I mean, he wanted the wanted the Redskins to have the ball. He's got the home crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, Seattle's going to have to start playing a more complete game. They they Every game they are in, it's in the fourth quarter. You know, so why wouldn't this be any different? I think it'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be back in New Jersey. I have to go back for a funeral, but I'll be looking forward to it to see. We won't be together Sunday. I apologize for That's that. That's all right. We'll but, be on the phone. We'll have a nice little phone chat. Yeah, it'll be a late one. I'll have to, I'll have to put, get my eyelids to, to handle that. But uh, I'll give you a Red Bull or something. There you go. I'll have to do I'm, I'm sure I'll figure it out. But anyway, <laughs> I think it'll be a good game. I really do. Yeah. I'm excited about watching Drew Stanton play, but I'm excited to see what Seattle does after on the short week. You know who's excited about watching this game? Who? The Los Angeles Rams fans. They this are. could be one that the Cardinals, you know, knock down the Seahawks, get a little, and then gets the Rams to the top of that division. What do you think the, the crowd's going to be Saturday? At the, I heard you. I was listening to Sal's podcast. You bought tickets? Yeah, it did. I did. Did you sell them? Not yet, but what I you, probably what, Were they will. hard to get? No, no, not hard to get. I just wanted to watch Deshaun in person. Of I, I've seen him at Clemson a couple times. Oh, and yeah. I, I think I it's just, great. Yeah. I would have, yeah. That's awesome. But now, not anymore. I don't think I'm going to go anymore. Well, I love the Coliseum. Hey, by though. the way, just you know, a lot of traffic. Next week, yeah, next week the Sixers are in town for two games. We should go. I will go with you to a Sixers game. We'll yeah. we'll try to diagnose Foles from the stands, just see what he's looking like. Well, and, he's, uh, I think he's. Oh, they're not going to. Oh, by the way, they're not going to play Embiid because they need to rest him. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes is going to play, right? Yeah, like, can you please explain this to me? Like, he had four days off. He needs hey, more rest. He's a superstar, right? Uh, That's how we treat let's him. Let's get out of here. This, <laughs> Lombardi just ran off the set. If, if you're if you're not watching this, he just left for good. All right, this has been another rousing edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Mr. Mike Lombardi, I'll miss you this weekend. Thanks, Dave Fraser.